Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, folks, wherever the heck in the world you have you are with <laughs> the Grill Economist, and we are with RogueNews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Rogue News on every single podcasting app known to humanity. The link should be all in the description box. And we have with us the man of the hour who needs no introduction at this point. It's Tim Kirby. Tim Kirby's oh. here. He is the- all right. Wow. What a warm introduction. I guess I did a good job last time. Your other yeah. guests must suck. <laughs> I am one of my notar. One of my, yeah, one of the things that uh, that is known about me is I give epic introductions. <laughs> well, thank you. Oh, well, that's a good one. It, may, it always makes you makes you feel good. Makes you want to. Makes you glad you showed up. So. Well, you are the most American Russian in Russia, brother. <laughs> I think it worked out that way. Yeah, it did. Uh, probably so. Tim, there's a lot going on, and yes. I think this week was very important, very pertinent. Um, you had the Valdai conference. Do you want to start uh-huh. with that? I mean, Putin. Was literally kicked the groin. Was you know it was kicking the globalists in the nuts repeatedly. Yeah, and especially the farce that the West is so organized and the West is this and the West is that, and you saw the stark difference between what Putin was laying out, especially the the logical, the spiritual aspects of things. Mm. I mean, my God, man, it was it, yeah. it was so much there, man. So I don't know if you oh. want to start with that and then well, yeah, whatever. You well, want. first thing I'm already I'm already to jump the gun here, uh, so. Uh, I have sort of automatic talking points in my head. But uh, anyway, so the Valdai Conference, one thing to understand about it is who is he he speaking to? The Valdai Conference actually sort of is more to that. I sort of mentioned in Russia there's like the 2% of liberals uh, who tend to have a lot of the money. And in some ways, the Valdai uh, Forum is a little bit towards that group. It is towards a more mainstream, Western, pro-Western moneyed audience. And the thing that's very important about this is when you watch this thing, parts of it from year to year, it gets a little repetitive, to be honest. I haven't watched it in detail every year. But Putin's speech maybe seven, ten years ago was a lot more like, well, we're going to continue to maintain uh, democratic norms and work with our partners. And then this year, he was just like, you know what? Uh, Transhumanism's out the window. Men and women are good. The whole LGBTQ thing is stupid. Uh, Let's just stay human. It's going to be awesome. He's really gone, um, for some reason this year, he did sort of choose to kind of um, drop the bomb and uh, really go in a much different direction. And in some ways, and in some ways you have to understand, in some ways it's not a middle finger to that audience, but it's kind of like the the beginning. It's a a little nudge. It's one of those, kind of. It's the nudge. Or Or in Russia we have this thing. We have the fig. Yeah. So, which is <laughs> less less worse than the middle finger? That's so. it. That's it. It's a more polite middle finger. But yeah, it's the fig, the nudge that is transforming to an ever erect middle finger to the Western Anglo American elitists who mm-hmm. are trying to sell us on uh, on um, what are they trying to sell us on deindustrialization? They're trying yeah. to sell us on dehumanization. They're trying to sell the basically deindustrialization and dehumanization leads to death. Yeah, yeah. And even Putin himself said that um, capitalism is approaching a crisis. Now, this does not mean we're going to return to communism in Russia. That's never going to happen. Although there's a lot of people, a lot more people in Russia are romantic about communism than you might think, having lived through it, having their parents live through it. So there are there's definitely a solid one out of four, one out of three people who would vote for it to come back. Okay, so they're here. But their communism is different than you imagined. Uh, Their motivations for doing so are different. But anyways, uh, Putin is responsible for creating what uh, is the term is kind of growing of becoming like state capitalism, Mm -hmm. where you have a capitalism where the state is very heavily involved. Uh, And uh, that's kind of what's happening here in Russia. And um, 
It definitely has some pluses and minuses. Uh, Russia as a country is doing very well. But one thing I'll tell you, V, I won't lie, uh, salaries in Russia kind of stink still. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, the uh, trickle downside of state state capitalism hasn't quite hit us, uh, but it's definitely uh, doing a good job of fi- fighting the challenges of the 21st century and the challengers uh, with their bizarre globalist mission to make us own nothing uh, and be happy about it. Yeah, we're all going to be, uh, I mean, isn't that what Klaus Schwab said? That you'll own nothing and be happy? <laughs> yeah, that's from this list. What is that? Um, oh, boy. That's, uh, well, I have, I have to look this up. Great reset. The, yeah. yeah, gray. Oh, my, my. Of course. As soon as I need to look for something, I mess up with my t- hitting my keyboard. Great reset list. Uh, let's see. Do we have it? The uh, World Economic Forum Conspiracy Theorists. There's fish. Uh, uh, I can't find the article. But anyways, um, yeah, that was that was one of the uh, eight points or whatever uh, that you won't own anything. The other one is that you'll eat way less meat or no meat. Uh, that's another kind of... Oh, yeah, because that's another way to kill testosterone levels. You know what I'm saying? It's not yeah. enough they, they injected uh, most of the Western men with uh, soy in just about every single product you can consume over here in the West and GMOs. Mm-hmm. But taking away the animal products, it it, it 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 wreaks havoc in the male endocrine system. Yeah, and it makes people then more passive, more controllable, and we're already seeing that. Uh, when in reality, they're really um, this whole thing that somehow animals are bad for the environment. No, 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 no. It's another one of these illusions because again, um, a lot of times these uh, people who tend to be the kind of like vegan types and all that, they're in California, and they look at the world as if it's California. Because I, I let me just. Tell a story here. Explain with a story. It'll be much faster, much more interesting. I have an American friend. He was uh, born in my in the same city, city of Cleveland, uh, and we kind of grew up together, although I'm a little bit older than he is. He, for a time period, lived in Kyrgyzstan, and uh, he we were driving through the middle of nowhere to the very, very eastern part of Kyrgyzstan, to the very, very eastern part of what you might call sort of the Russian world or Eurasian civilization, whatever uh, buzzword you want to use. And um, uh, on our way there, he kind of pointed out, he's like, Tim, look around you. This is why <laughs> vegetarianism will never happen here. Because you look and there's nothing but just dead grass and shrubs. Because the thing is, is well, how, how can you survive in an environment where it's just dead grass and shrubs? Eat the goats that eat it. Exactly. You see what I mean? Um, so in, in a lot of ways, a lot of places in the world are actually very suited uh, towards this lifestyle of heavy meat consumption. Uh, especially the, the Central Asian countries, I would say probably uh, a lot of the uh, places related to the Bible uh, and so on. Exactly correct. And uh, hot on the heels of that, we have uh, the U.S. Uh, again visiting Ukraine. Zelensky making some comments that, oh my God, if war were ever to happen, any attack in Ukraine will be the end of Russia, the destruction of Russian mm-hmm. forces. You have Lloyd Austin, another brilliant brain. Lloyd Austin, yeah. the affirmative action hire over at the uh, the Department of Defense. He's out there uh, 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 trying to trying to push NATO's interest. NATO, a a, yeah. a group of uh, has-beens, uh, again trying to get them against uh, Russia's yeah. border. I mean, lots of things going on there. It's crazy. Well, yeah, I, my sort of take on that is um, is this. Okay, well, one thing that probably a lot of the people in the audience don't know is that. During the real run-up to the election, the Trump versus Biden um, election, there were constant news stories in both the mainstream and the alternative Russian news media that Kiev was making a huge um, buildup of troops that basically it looked like they were going to launch for an attack. And a couple sort of more, let's call them insider people that I know, were willing to sort of bet their last dollar that if Biden won, the attack would happen, that that would be the signal that they'd have support from America. They're going to go in. Uh, Russia's probably going to blink uh, rather than um, starting a third world war, nuclear war. And uh, that would be that. And obviously that didn't happen. So why did it happen? Apparently Biden getting in didn't change anything. In fact, Biden has been uh, just absolutely baffling uh, because he's essentially pursuing uh, Trump's um Foreign policy in a lot of ways, you know, giving up on Afghanistan, this whole AUKUS deal to focus more on China, a lot of backpedaling. And uh, for a different project, uh, I actually had to, uh, well, I didn't have to, I chose to watch the entirety of, uh, what's his name, um, uh, Lloyd Austin's or Austin Lloyd's, I'm getting back. It's uh, Lloyd Austin, it's Lloyd Austin. Lloyd Austin's entire speech. Uh, first off, uh, as someone who's very good, exp- uh, good at speaking, V, uh, you should know that uh, you really should never read a speech off of a piece of paper. And if you are going to read your speech, you shouldn't do it like this. 
Uh, that's uh, number one that I have to say about that awful speech. Uh, but number two, he sort of said uh, a lot of platitudes, like we continue our commitment to our allies and to uh, ending Russian aggression. And, uh, you know, we're going to uh, maintain our commitments. Buzzword, buzzword, buzzword. But then a little bit after that, he goes, uh, and we're going to do everything in our power to uh, uh, aid you in fighting this fight yourselves or something to the equivalent of that. Basically, he said, you know, we'll support you, but we're going to support you from the sidelines watching from far away, which means uh, Kiev really then in that sense, if it's going to go towards fighting Russia, it is going to be very impossible, which means the uh, conflict in the Donbass region, based on that logic, is probably going to stay stagnant for the foreseeable future. Absolutely, and and it'll continue to devolve into a into a failed state. Uh, it's, yeah, it's, well, Ukraine really yeah. already is. The question is, it's sort of like how much Ukraine raises the question: How much can you fail? Uh, because oh uh, God, believe, <laughs> you know. Uh, because, you know, if you look, uh, it was a couple of years ago where their economics were uh, basically lined up with that of Zimbabwe during their crisis years. So you would think that uh, if we, I guess it's it's almost like um, being I mean, not too big to fail because they're not big, but being sort of too important to Washington to fail. Very much propped up because I think a lot of other nations would not be able to have withstood such uh, failure and poverty. Because another thing is, too, is with that... Um, Mr. Austin there going is, you know, now the commitment uh, during Obama, the commitment was $200 million a year of our wonderful taxpayer money. I still have to file for U.S. taxes. Uh, and uh, for now, it's been raised to $400 million a year, which, again, to us, you and me, well, maybe not to you. You've got money. Uh, to me, that sounds like, wow, $400 million. That's so much. That's nothing in terms of war. That's nothing. The Afghanistan war cost $300 million a day, averaged okay. out. So it also sort of shows where um, Ukraine, it's kind of a priority because it's bad for Russia. But it seems like even spending anything near close to what they invested in Afghanistan is just off the table, which is something I don't quite understand. And I never will, because Afghanistan... I don't see what potential they saw in Afghanistan, whereas Ukraine, keeping Ukraine a hellhole full of neo-Nazis and psychopaths that's torn away from Russia, keeps Russia weak. Zbigniew Brzezinski uh, wrote about this very succinctly, and everyone understands that, and yet they're not willing to pay for that. So it makes Afghanistan even more mysterious to me. I guess that would, then someone could say, well, Afghanistan, they had the opium. It's all about the opium, man, CIA, cartels. Maybe. Uh, that is a big difference. But uh, this whole Ukraine thing, it's surprising they're willing to invest so little money in something that's a very, very uh, massive thorn in the side of the Russians. Yeah, it, it truly is, man. It truly is. And, you know, there's so many things heating up all across Europe. I mean, literally heating up. They're freezing to death and they were trying to blame the Russians for the failed policies that they've initiated for their energy debacle they've done for their own population. Uh, and then now it's like people starting to realize that it's just constant demonization to the point where nobody believes what the Europeans are even talking about anymore, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's gone too far. I mean, uh, you live in America, man. You've seen how it is. Is um. There, I think there was a point when a lot of the stuff about don't be racist, it had it, it had its place, man. There were some times in the past where you know what, if we're gonna build this big uh giant nation, you know, the big dog, internationally influential, influential, excuse me, we're gonna have to get along, all right. But now all sorts of things, especially like the term racist or homophobic, they're meaningless because they've been sort of run, you know, it's, it's run its course, man. No one cares anymore. And uh, that's the same thing with a lot of this um, anti-Russia stuff where it's just been played out. It's And a lot of people, especially people who, have, uh, who are in the know uh, or are more concerned with themselves than some sort of international whatever, yeah. uh, they're, they're just not buying it. Because during the Cold War, there was a difference. You know, uh, living in Russia, uh, uh, one thing where I stand on America's side, hardcore on one issue is the Soviet Union did a good job of making itself look aggressive, expansionist, uh, you know, like they're on some great mission to uh, make the whole world communist. Remember, on the logo of the Soviet Union was written, uh, proletarians of the world unite. Yeah. Uh, you know, of, of all nations, excuse me, proletarians of all nations unite. Uh, and uh, that's kind of shows that uh, the communists were coming for you. 
Um, and so it kind of made sense. A lot of the um, paranoia about Russia in the 19, you know, 50s and 60s and all that all over all after the war, because it's a different system that's coming for you. But that's over. No one in Russia wants to change the way you live anywhere. No one cares. Russia's become finally much more internalized. And uh, all the sort of ideological uh, musings that are happening here are a lot more focused on Russia thinking about its own history and its own self. So when you look at things in that context, what I'm trying to explain is not just explain things because they're fun, but because when you have a person in their subconscious mind, they see communism. Communism is aggressive. It's expansionist. It wants to smash capitalism wherever that capitalism is. Then people could sell you a fear of communism. But when you have other country that's slightly different and they don't seem to really be doing anything, but people are saying they're evil. It's just a hard sell and it's a sell that people aren't buying really. Oh, very well said, man. I mean, what, did you, what, what do you think is, is, uh, has been, I mean, how's it going over there in Russia, especially with the, 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 the nation's response to the pandemic? Uh, I mean, we, when we see what's happening in Australia, they're literally coming out with a, 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 a you know, two-tier economic system. Once for the for the people that are jabbed, the other for the yeah. ones who are not jabbed. And same thing's happening in New Zealand with a horse-faced woman who was the prime minister of New Zealand, <laughs> who's literally laughing with glee, talking about a, a flu world order. Her own words: oh, wow. flu world order. Wow. With glee, saying that, wow. that the, those who are unvaxxed will have nothing. You know, they're, oh, they're wow. dude. It's insanity, uh, man. When you said horse-faced woman, I wanted to make some uh, comment about Sarah Jessica Parker getting Australian citizenship. But dude, that's uh, that's uh, that's 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 um, that's uh, funny, sad, pathetic. And that's a lot of emotions at once. I I I'm at a loss. But uh, uh, I can tell you this: we we talked a little bit last time about the recent history of COVID in Russia. So brief recap: we sort of had only the only real lockdown period, or at least for Moscow, because all the states in Russia are different. Uh, was like this sort of three-month period where they tried to keep you from only going to the store to get gross groceries or like uh, take two trips by car, stay within 100 meters of your home. Now we're going to have like a mini lockdown coming up within the next few days for, well, for now it's ten, going to be 10 days. But uh, it's uh, for it's countrywide, but it's basically like don't go to restaurants, don't go to public events, don't go to soccer practice. Uh, so I'm actually kind of looking forward to it, which sounds like a really kind of asshole thing to say. Uh, but I'm looking forward to it. Gonna take the laptop to the uh, dacha there, hang out and all that stuff. Uh, but that's on the uh, <clears throat> the silly side of things. On the more serious side, the uh, war over COVID continues here. Um, where there's a few ways you could look at the Russian way of handling it. I think the simplest explanation is Russian bureaucrats want to make you think that they're doing something. And I think that they really don't know what they're doing. Um, that's maybe the simplest explanation because things keep changing. You see something in the news where some really low population remote region wants to have these stupid QR codes in place to let you go to a restaurant, but then they change their mind. Or it was like, first they want to do for Moscow QR codes for everything. But if you also have the antibodies and you can prove it as in you're not vaccinated, then you can also go, but then they just got rid of them entirely. So I would say it's honestly it's an ever changing mess. Yeah, no, uh, if that's one way to put it. But this mini lockdown that's coming up again, supposedly for ten or so days, uh, is definitely big news. Uh, Putin actually announced that himself, uh, so I guess he wants to. Uh, another thing is uh, from talking to people in the medical industry, uh, it really seems like the number of COVID deaths are really overinflated. Again, why Russia is so optimistic to agree with the west about a lot of the aspects of covid i don't quite understand yeah so it's it's a little bit of a mystery uh to me and i think to a lot of other people so yeah absolutely man i mean it's um i mean it also kind of shows uh, that you know region by region state by state in russia it's kind of like the us in the sense that you have your own regional uh you know and and state level uh politicians kind of similar to how we have here in the what we have going on in the us with their own agendas their own policies and whatnot is that, is that what you find uh, yeah oh i could uh, i could tell you exactly we uh, just went to film in the crimea recently okay yeah. so we went there and i we you know got to the hotel and they're like uh we need to see a qr code and i'm like oh man this bs 
Well, uh, thankfully, you know, they had, um, well, there's a lot of weird stuff about the Crimea. We could get into that about how yeah. the reality of working in this uh, <laughs> bizarre peninsula that uh, is part of Russia, but all the businesses there try to pretend like they're still part of Ukraine, kind of. It's very weird. It's but anyways, we'll we get to that. Uh, because they have to make Google and Microsoft and all these other people happy, so they have to play the game. Uh, but anyway, so we get there, and they ask me for the QR code, and I'm not vaccinated with any of them, not the Russian one, not any of them. So, But I do have the thing, the um, uh, scan that uh, says that I have all the mil- billions of antibodies uh, built up from actually being sick with COVID, right? So I showed that to them, and they scanned it. And I thought, you know, and I was thinking, man, oh, are we going to have to do this everywhere we go? Are we going to do this at every restaurant? Because, you know, when you're filming stuff, you know, you're eating uh, like kind of fast food kind of stuff. You're going to all these different hotels. But so on the one side, you're like, why? What, what's the point of this? It's stupid. But right. the logic, I think, is, is you show it the first hotel you go to, this QR code, and then there's no COVID restrictions at all. <laughs> like because what's the point <laughs> yeah because it's sort of like because well, the code is powerful tim the code is the code no, of power. No, this is this is what i think the logic is because they want to do a touristy is you come there you show you don't have covid so you don't have covid so go nuts bro yeah and but so i think it's against the government they want they were like well we have to do something to show that we're fighting covid but this is the heaviest most touristic place than russia tourist money covid and then they sort of thought of this idea where like well if no one brings covid here it can't be here boom bureaucratic logic solved do it that way so how <laughs> how dumb is that <laughs> so yeah so don't i, I friends uh, there are things like uh like you mentioned putin's valdai speech that's mm. something to be proud of uh, and excited about for the future of russia that we're going to remain human beings uh with two genders and uh testosterone that's fantastic uh but a lot of the um <laughs> COVID stuff has been uh, this COVID stuff has been very um uh ooh, not, not a good look not a good look it, it's of- very challenging for bureaucrats and, and people that are in politics because you know oh. inherently they're cowards you know bureaucrats so you have something like oh, covid yeah. where you don't know if it's real or not you don't know if it's uh you know if something's i mean something is killing a, a certain people within these uh categories and i think i i, I for once think the damn virus is real i don't think it's been fully yeah. isolated or identified that for sure but you know oh, no, it, it is a, i'm yeah. absolutely sure it is a real phenomenon it's a real thing 100 yeah. 100 so i i you know if, you, if you're unhealthy and you're a fat bastard you're dead <laughs> you know you're dead yeah you know so um well but, gorilla uh, you gorilla you kind of see that um if we're gonna uh, i'm not gonna say that i 100 believe this but it's a virus that really sends tends to pick off the weak and the elderly yeah. right that's um when it's very popular right now, or at least actually it's come kind of popular for the last 150 years, you know, population control, Malthusianism, yeah. eugenics, yeah. It, those things kind of line up, but things lining up is not proof. It's just food for thought. Yeah, exactly. So causation does not mean correlation, right? Absolutely. Correlation does not mean causation or something like that, right? No. But uh, yeah, it's it's remarkable. At least you know, in that regard, it's you know the you know the Eastern world, the multipolar world, is deciding it's going to remain patriarchal. It's going to re- uh, re- remain human, which is great mm-hmm. compared to us in the West, where you know every day and every other week we're discovering new genders here. It's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Unreal. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, especially the, the Chinese with that uh, interesting move. I don't know quite how they're going to do that. Well, they obviously they have um a lot of their media i don't know if all of it but a lot of their media is uh state controlled and they're yeah. gonna not have any uh simps or soy boys or femboys uh right. that's over uh so essentially k-pop is dead in china uh oh, yeah. which i uh think uh uh I, I support that and to be honest in russia one thing that's another again thing that's sort of, sort of frustrating about russia is if you were to live here you'd see certain things work the army works the emergency services work a lot of stuff here works the trains work fantastically yeah but the one thing that doesn't work is the ministry of culture and that's the people who would, in theory, really be responsible for what movies get made on federal money, uh, what things get shown on federal TV channels within Russia, in Russian, and all that stuff. And uh, I swear, it is like a rainbow parade uh, in that ministry. And uh, regardless, um, I really, our, our media in Russia does not match up with uh, what our politics are, if that makes any sense. Um, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So I, mean, I think it, 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 
Yeah, the the, the ministry of culture. I, I guess that's where the liberals will uh, and, the, and the mixed bags. Will well, kind yeah, of flock well, and also or... because there's a problem where um, I don't quite know what it was in the Soviet Union, but there's this uh, gushing adoration for um, like uh, uh, th- uh, theater performers. Mm. You know, in fact, there's this title where it's called what Narodny Artist, which would be something like the people's actor, the people's entertainer. The thing is that mm. it's called artist, but it doesn't mean artist. Usually artist draws pictures, but it's mm. more like a performer or something. Mm-hmm. The people's performer is very high, which is, it sounds insane. So you were talking about a communist system and they're like, you are the most flamboyant man at the theater. Here's your medal. Um, <laughs> and but it's a real thing. And that title sort of still exists to this day, only it's on the Russian level, not Soviet level. And there definitely was a real, um, like the rise of Hollywood where uh, in medieval times, actors were looked at as just human garbage because they provided no services and they were playing dress up as adult men. Um, that in the, in, during the Hollywood really helped to change that uh, pers- perspective because it became very lucrative. But even in the Soviet Union where profitability wasn't really the highest concern, that culture of just adoration for actors and <gasps> the theater. Uh, whereas to be honest, uh, Gorilla, uh, I get in trouble here a lot in Russia. I think the theater's garbage. I mm. think the I think theater especially attracts the absolute worst people in society. It, it, in it, one room. Yeah, I mean it, it, it's quite conceivable because you, you you could probably I mean there are those who really appreciate the theater and the arts, and then there are those who pretend to. They think it's like a it's somehow you know participating in theater and an art somehow increases their uh, their in their uh, their inert snobbery. You know, and, yeah, like, and they become yeah. like these faux intellectuals, like the morons who stare at a blank canvas in an art museum, and be like, "Oh my god, this is the most profound piece of art I've ever." Seen. Yeah, well, remember, remember what was it? Uh, was it the Oscars or the Emmys where someone got up a few years ago and they said, "It's us, it's we, the creative people, the actors, it's we who are changing the world." And you know, everyone else in America was just like, "Oh, gag me." Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, because it's like you know. Build a power plant, honey. Um, <laughs> so it's kind of that. I, I don't know. Maybe it's uh, maybe um, because I'm getting older. Who knows? Maybe I'm becoming some sort of old troglodyte uh, here, gorilla. But with the the theater, it's just really it's it's too much for especially maybe uh, in the past the theater was all men. Maybe it should be all women because it really embodies this like feelings are important and pretending oh, no. to be something else and dressing up and it's all about these feelings and emotions and stuff. And it's sort of like what a what a waste of uh, uh, male potential. I don't know. It's just it's, it's very strange. And again, I think I've, I have met one person who works in the theater who I actually do like, and he's surprisingly manly. So it's absolutely bizarre to talk to him. So he works in all these like theater performances where he's like, oh boy, I've got to go dance and throw flowers, and it's going to be uh, Les Miserables and all this stuff and Carmen and and all <laughs> that. But then he's also talking about. Dude, you see that chick over there? Totally asked her out, man. You know, yeah. gonna take her back to the place later on, you know? So it was a weird combination of guy where he's like, dude, bro, but he's at the theater and he has beautifully manicured hands, too. So, <laughs> although, he's, although the ladies like that, you'd always be looking at my hands because uh, uh, I used to bite my nails a lot, but I stopped, yeah. Uh, yeah. Tri- triumphed over that. It was very difficult. Uh, but my hands are always kind of dirty. And he's always, he's always like, just get the manicure. And like, no. No, 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 no! Not gonna do it. We used to work together on the radio, but that was another a day, a, a story for another day with uh, that guy. Cool guy, though. Unreal, man. Unreal. What else is on your radar, Tim? Uh, on my radar, in the Russian radar. So yeah, we talked about Valdai. We talked about what's going on in Ukraine. Uh, but it's always gonna be, you know, every time if we're in the future, if we get uh, get to, to talk, everything's gonna always revolve around Ukraine because everything always revolves around the Ukraine. Uh, that is always sort of a big issue, number yeah. one. But let me take a take a look here and uh, let's take a look at some of the top stories. What what is going on in Russia? Well, you, have, you have the Ukrainians right now. They're boasting about having their first uh, ever state-of-the-art Turkish combat drones flying around for them in the Donbass well, area. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's one thing. Was to be honest, um, uh, thinking of things again, uh, I'm not um, a, a military expert, and I think there's a lot of people who try to pretend to be. They think they know a little bit of everything about everything, but I can't tell you that the the war in the Donbass is a little bit surprising in the sense that it's very World War II like. You have guys with guns and tanks and artillery cannons 
And when you think about it, it's a proxy war in a way between America and Russia. So you would think the technological level would get higher. Maybe now it finally is. But again, uh, it's one of those things where we'll see. We'll see how much that affects it. Uh, because the Russians claim, at least the Russians in the military I talked to, that their ability to sort of um, um, scramble drones is actually pretty good. Yeah. And so uh, drone potential uh, is kind of... Um, uh, weird. Oh, you want to talk? We want to talk. We we're talking just about the um the Crimea and what was really. Oh yes, yes, yes. Uh, Crimea. Yeah, about 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 that and about being there. So, uh, here's the thing. So all the all the banks in Russia can't go there because they're all international. Okay, mm. so they are afraid to have like any sort of um representation in the Crimea because it'll make them become bad guys in the face of Visa and Mastercard and international banking institutions. So all the big banks are there. But your bank card does work, but only the card. So you know how people can pay through their telephone with like Apple Pay and all that stuff? That doesn't work, but the physical card does because it sort of like makes a miniature payment from Russian bank to like Russian bank to an intermediary bank yeah. to like Visa MasterCard and then back through this big looping uh, cycle, which makes crime the Crimea more expensive than Moscow in terms of food prices. Sure. So that's no fun uh, because, trust me, the salaries there are nowhere near what they're like here. So that was something very weird. So there's this one bank, I think it's called like RBNK or something, uh, and it is everywhere. And I think it only exists just to uh, to be there. Now, uh, many years ago, right after the whole Maidan thing happened, I was part of a uh, Army reality show that was filmed <laughs> So you yeah, uh, and it was a yeah no 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 no. In fact, um, uh, it was really badly done. They only had one cameraman, which was one cameraman, which was garbage. <laughs> and everything was really with me. Everything that I could do was played down. Everything I couldn't do was played up for laughs. So it was very humiliating. Uh, maybe uh, I can even find my article about it that I wrote. Let's see, soldier, miss for soldier misfortune, Kirby, and that was in 2015 or something. Soldier of misfortune. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh yeah, let's see. Is this it? Is this it? Russia review of his experience in the army. Well, oh boy, wow. Okay, interesting. Uh, it's it, there's all. Oh, here it is. Well, here's the article, but it's not on RT. But that's who I wrote it for. Whatever. So I'm going to send that to you over this. Uh, what's what's it's called? Uh, over to there, and also uh, so you can take a look at that. And I'm also going to try to send you uh, some uh, links to everything that I do. So that way, if you can throw it in the chat, that would be amazing because I don't know how to do that. But so, anyways, um, I really screwed up my knees during that process. Um, actually, uh, which is another uh, fun story about Russia. So we'll do that because uh, with my knees, so I really screwed them up uh, at that time. Uh, so th yeah, there I am, a little bit fatter, a little, little fat in that picture. This was before American football. This was at sort of the height of having my daughter would have been five and my son would have been two. So yeah. I was in pure dad mode, eating bad, working a lot, not looking good. Uh, but uh, so um, anyways, <clears throat> uh, uh, I sort of have one of the exercises there they have in the Russian army. So you have a, the ground, a one-story building, two-story building. They have mm -hmm. a bar that's two stories up it's about a foot wide and what you have to do is go off the edge of it hit the ground and keep going mm -hmm. that's the exercise which is amazing uh, that's why the russian army wins wars uh, so so anyways uh i you know i have my back by my pack on and the unloaded gun and all this shit and i go down into the sand the sand's supposed to help you it doesn't and i, I when i hit there uh my knees have been not so great for many years and when i hit the ground it's kind of like ooh. Ooh, uh, then later on, I tried to uh, complete the like this obstacle course that it was a part of. And I was doing something that would seemingly be a lot easier, but I kind of heard like a crunch crack. And that was the end of that. So when I got back to Moscow, um, uh, I had to get tr uh, treated by a guy mm -hmm. who works officially in a hospital. But what he really does is work sort of uh, extra hours within the hospital for himself treating horrible knee injuries so yeah. sort of was like an underground clinic worked 
Fantastic. Uh, so I can walk again because I almost lost the ability to uh, walk there. My knees uh, sort of froze up so bad. So, but anyways, uh, that was a terrible experience when I was there in the Crimea in 2015. Uh, what was it like? It was weird because every building had the sign ripped down. Uh, so, you know, you go there and like every uh, building or uh, you'd see on the paint, like the sort of um, like the dirt or the grime or the difference between where there was sun and where there, where there was the shadow. Yeah. Um, because all the signs had, were ripped down because all the businesses changed. Uh, a lot of the stuff that was uh, written in Ukrainian was removed because it was pointless. They just sort of put it up there because uh, legally they were ob obligated to. Uh, very, I did not hear one person speaking Ukrainian either time while I was hmm. there. Um, so, anyways, uh, it was so it was kind of a, a weird period. But one thing I can tell you is the roads there were in were an absolute hell, and in and in general. 2015's Crimea, it was like a weird time capsule because it was very much like, like the Soviet Union never ended. Just everything was sort of undeveloped or trashed or done like the old way. Uh, one of the other guys who was in this uh, reality show with me, he got hurt and he had to go to the hospital and the hosts of the show were sort of shocked. They're like, it's like the 1950s again. So it was weird. It was very much the sort of locked away time capsule of just nothing being developed there. Yeah. Uh, and now that we come back, the, well, I can tell you one thing. The roads are much, much better. They, the road seems to be uh, what they focused on the most. Um, very, And I also was very surprised that so little was left of that uh, Ukrainian period. I think I saw like three signs that still had something written in Ukrainian on them, but it's all been um torn down and all that so um very interesting uh very 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 weird yeah um so we talked about that talked about the payment um do, 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 do. yeah uh, hey hey tim there, there yeah. was a uh yeah raven six one of the guys in chat did confirm that there was a a, a, a ukrainian drone it was a turkish drone that the ukrainian the yukis have bought it and they did uh do a strike in dunbas that's not good mm. No, no, it's not. It's not good because for escalation. But uh, again, it's one of those things where uh, everyone's sort of clinging to the whole like a Minsk agreement. But with the Minsk agreement, um, it's been violated so many times that it really doesn't even matter that much anymore. Yeah. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, one thing to also take into account that we're forgetting now is that uh, a lot of the people in the Donbass, I don't know how many, but I'd say almost the majority now have Russian citizenship. Uh, in fact, during the last pre um, not presidential uh for the state Duma, there were the elections. Uh, they even specially made it so that way people could vote there. Uh, they all have Russian social security numbers, the equivalent. It's called SNILS, uh, which mm -hmm. sounds stupid in both Russian and English. SNILS. SNILS number. What's your um, SNILS? A SNILS is social security number. No, no, no. I'm just, uh, I'm just doing it in my uh, Russian accent. What is your SNILS? SNILS. <laughs> SNILS. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah. So, uh, it, uh, yeah. So, basically... Um, that region is already under a pretty heavy integration process, which sure. again, if you think about it, the war started in 2014, but the integration process kind of started within a year ago. So again, you can see going back to what we talked about at the Valdai club, the rhetoric is changing. The attitude is changing. In fact, Russia is kind of becoming a little bit more uh, brazen with this sort of thing, which is um, interesting. It definitely mm. means uh, with Biden coming in, uh, Biden making so many, I think changes and, backing off i think that's giving russia a little bit of room to kind of move uh forward just a bit so absolutely you know. what's your take on uh what's uh what's happening in afghanistan and it's and the relations that that russia's viewed towards afghanistan ever since the whole u.s debacle well the one, thing about, the one thing about it that's uh, funny is um see in russia like you know everyone has um their 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 legalities and in russia if an organization is considered criminal, right? That they're something that's like uh, uh, Al-Qaeda, right? Or ISIS or, I don't know, any sort of uh, illegal organization. We talked last time a little bit about Scientology and the Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, I think they might actually be in the, uh, the group too uh, now. Uh, in Russia, if you mention them uh, in public, uh, like uh, the, the, in the media, you have to say, uh, you know, ISIS, a forbidden in Russia organization. You have to, the first time you mention them. Uh, in the peace. It's a weird law. That's the way it is. But the far, uh, so the funny part is the Taliban is a forbidden in Russia organization that recently visited Moscow with some representatives. So that kind of shows um, 
that there's a little bit of a uh, disconnect here and a bit of, I think, surprise where uh, I think no one in Russia really thought that Biden was going to bail out of Afghanistan so abruptly. Um, the real fear from a Russian standpoint is that, uh, which I think is weird, maybe this is true, but I think it's stupid. The mainstream Russian view was they left Afghanistan. That means they're going to start setting up bases closer to us in Uzbekistan and Kazakhstan and all that. Uh, that's their fear. I don't quite see how that's going to work. That they're, you know, whatever. But that's that's the fear is that U.S. will the U.S. will use this as an excuse to create encroaching bases much closer to Russia proper. That's that's their view. Uh, what I see uh, the problem is is that now um, it is certainly going to embolden certain groups and uh, the countries that border to the north. Uh, be they sort of Tajikistan or uh, Turkmenistan, are pretty weak. In fact, they're extremely weak. Mm -hmm. And so we're going to probably see maybe some uh, disputes over these borders, uh, definitely some uh, ethnic strife coming up. Uh, but basically the, the sort of can of worms in Afghanistan has been open. Uh, so we'll see where that goes. Um, but um, uh, like with every uh, major change in power, every sort of um, uh, revolution, there's always a counter-revolutionary period, a crackdown period. Uh, even in the after the American um, uh, War of Independence, there was the Whiskey Rebellion got put down, for example. Wow. So there's always one of those. Just depends how bloody. The Soviet Union's one was very bloody, as was with the Chinese. But uh, so in Afghanistan, the question is, how long is it going to take for them to feel that the counter-revolutionary phase is over so they'll stop um, hanging people publicly for <laughs> for participating in the previous government? You know, eventually they're going to have to uh, move forward with that. So. Yeah, the Russian take is a fear of new bases, uh, but it's also maybe on the second level, it's a fear of uh, the unknown. What's going to happen next? Tim, what do you what do you feel is uh, Russia's uh, right now? What what uh, the government in Russia is trying to do, especially with the debacle that is happening in Lebanon? I mean, Lebanon is literally descending into war. Uh, the U.S. has been salivating. They've the neocons in the U.S. have been salivating, uh, going after the. Uh, I'm hearing an echo. Is that on your end? Oh gosh, I hope not. Well, yeah, well, here, how about this? Oh yeah, okay, that's cool. Yeah, it's gone. Okay, I'm gonna have to yeah. turn my mic down then a little bit here. All right. Yeah, no problem. Okay, so uh, yeah, so the, the the neocons have been salivating and daydreaming about having you know going to war against Hezbollah, and mm -hmm. we know like there's so many CIA Mossad fingerprints all over what is happening in Lebanon especially with some of the oligarchs in Lebanon who are, you know, trying to stop the importation of Russian energy into Lebanon to help alleviate the human suffering there. And then you have these random idiots just driving around shooting up random people. I mean, it's a, it's a real precarious situation. I just want to know what your thoughts are on Lebanon, Tim. Well, Lebanon has the um, rough situation of being somewhat 50% a Muslim country, 50% a Christian country. That's very much in sort of the the heartland of, of the Holy Land, which means people are very serious about their religion, which also means that um, uh, it's very easy to spark uh, the fuels of uh, uh, the fires of war uh, yeah. in Lebanon. In fact, I actually knew a person from Lebanon when I used to live in Pittsburgh during my college years. And she sort of explained it that every 20 years we start killing each other. Uh, I don't quite know when the last big conflict was in Lebanon, but she seems to think that about once a generation, there's always an excuse to fight. And uh, uh, Lebanon, I think, suffers a little bit from that sort of sort of colonial history where, if memory serves me correct, uh, like their prime minister, if he's Muslim, then the president has to be Christian and vice yeah. versa, or they have to take turns. So you have this really sort of evenly split population that feels a lot of religious hostility towards each other that are sort of forced to live in this one... Um, uh, the sort of single system. And so it's definitely, uh, it's a inherently bad situation uh, that gets exploited. And this is just another example of it. But obviously Lebanon's uh, purchases of uh, Russian fuels, it's good when people buy things from Russia, obviously, uh, but it's definitely far from being the end of the world. I mean, if you look at the amount that's of uh, uh, natural gas and uh, oil and all that, that gets exported to China and the EU, Lebanon is just a drop in the bucket. Yeah. Yeah. South China Seas. 
everything that's happening with China right now, what's Russia's take on that? Especially, you know, the Chinese just tested out their new hypersonic glide vehicles, uh, mm-hmm. advanced weaponry that literally the, 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 the U.S. was caught with their pants down. Uh, they couldn't believe the advancements that the Chinese have done. Uh, how, how are the Russians feeling about uh, the, the tensions between the U.S. and China and all the other things? Is it the enemy of okay. Yeah, the enemy. The enemy is my friend. Uh, that's that's always an uh, an interesting one. But the problem is, is that uh, that that logic doesn't work with Russia anymore. After all the things that happened Correct. in Russia during the Yeltsin period, the breakup of the Soviet Union, the Cold War. Um, although you know, I'm sure you know all of uh, all of the audience here is uh, read or at least is familiar with 1984 and that ability to make you know uh, uh, East Asia has always been the Bad enemy. War. It was never yeah. Eurasia. Like that mentality, that probably could have happened, but it's gone too far Yeah, for anyone to trust Washington. And Washington still thinks, they still think that they could just come here and say stuff like, well, you know, if you uh, maybe, you know, give up the Crimea and give up everything you have and you completely submit to us, then maybe one day we'll let you into NATO or some other (laughs) minor, like, yeah. So it's, again, they're very much stuck. uh, Washington's very, very stuck in this Cold War mentality. And I think they are kind of sure that, they can bash Russia for years. Uh, the whole Russiagate thing, paranoia, um, arrest people, the whole downsizing of um, the embassies and the people, and also now the problems with the um, the visa situation and all this. Oh, and by the way, basically create an apartheid state in Kiev or in <laughs> in the Ukraine and kill. Uh, now it's up to like fourteen or fifteen thousand uh, Russian-speaking people in the Donbass with bombs. And but you know. But did something democracy were nice? Uh, Hollywood movies are good. Uh, work with us against the Chinese. So I don't think it's going to happen. I think Washington, uh, with its bad behavior, just dug too much of a hole for itself. And also, Russia and China, com- uh, they complement each other too. They well. do. They do. You know, well, what is, mm-hmm. Yep. No, go yeah, ahead. Uh, yeah. I was going to say, because, you know, well, what does China have? The industrial mass power, right? Well, yeah, Russia makes a lot of stuff. That's good. The factory's open, but nowhere near like China. But then again, you know, China, they also produce uh, food. They're not, uh, they're intelligent people. They have farming and all that. But uh, nothing compared to today's Russia in terms of just output. So in a lot of ways, uh, Russia can feed China. China can make a lot of the materials here. In fact, there's a lot of Russian and Chinese uh, projects revolved around building factories here and all that. Of course, Russia can supply the energy and build whatever energy needs anyone needs. So there's a good um, symmetry here. We also have to remember that no matter what people tell you, we're going to do the collapse so people get it. I have been to nearly the border of Russia and China. There were no Chinese people there. Yeah. Because there is these uh, certain myths within the Russian media where they say there's no more forests in Siberia. They've all been chopped (laughs) down and sent to China. No. No. Because they actually plan this out. There's like enough forest in Russia where they plan how much you're going to export versus how much they're going to grow in. Probably with corruption being involved, they probably actually do double. But there's still plenty of forest left. It's regrowing. All the wood that you see that comes from Russia that is in Russian stores is not old wood. It is young, new wood. If there's some carpenters out there, you'll know the difference, right? right. It's all young wood. It's all very planned. So the whole the forests are still there. And you do not see in these small, low-population little towns. Uh, I believe the town is called Slavyanka, uh, right by China. I was there. Weird place. Mm. Weird place, but no Chinese people. Uh, but I t- it was also a good moment where I found out I've been living in Russia too long. So I was there. <laughs> and I, I went down to the bar. And I was like, okay, kind of want to have a beer. I don't drink too much anymore. Uh, football gets in the way. But I really wanted to have a beer. But I kind of walk in there. And there was this table of about 50-year-old ladies, quite plump, starting to drink, quite kind of a little bit angry. And it seemed like it was one of their birthdays, right? And they kind of had their, I guess what would be like their sons or their nephews gathering around. And I could see that uh, this was a very lowbrow crowd. You know, I'm a lowbrow person myself. I'm mm-hmm. from the hood. I'm a uh, person, person from poverty, from the streets. Um, and in fact, V, uh, I've had a, had a little minor tragedy. I thought the fake tooth I had broke. It was a real one. So uh, <laughs> my smile was getting worse. That was a real problem I had recently. Oh, but anyway, being in Russia so long, I could see you have these really sort of repulsive, obese, uh, elderly women, probably divorced spinster types. And then there's their sons there who might be like some kind of dock workers. And I was like, you know what? 
this birthday party, this is going to turn into a tragedy. Oh uh, when, when these people start drinking, so I was like, you know what? I'm going to go sober tonight. Went up to my room, had a lovely uh, cup of tea. But was the, later on, I had to go to the reception for some reason. Blood on the floor. Oh, my God. These women were crying because, of course, there was a fist fight. Of course, there was a fist fight between these delight, delightful uh, guys there. So it was a really a uh, real fun, uh, fun time. But it sort of um, shows when you've lived here too long, you have the right instincts for that. You can kind of tell, like, these guys really, really want to get drunk and get in a fist fight. Uh, so that's one thing why I wouldn't, if you were in the, the middle of nowhere in Russia, don't go drinking. Because usually the guys there, part of the drinking experience is the fighting experience. You know, yeah, uh, yeah, it's like those Hollywood movies where you have. Does that hold true in like there. Moscow and St. Petersburg and Krasnodar? No, less and all so, less, less so, because right? they're more your more metropolitan type. Yeah, everyone things. here's a wimp. So yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's it's not the same. I'm talking like this was this was like a harbor town south of Vladivostok near the oh, Chinese nice. border. Gotcha. So, uh, yeah, Vladivostok is a pretty interesting place. I, I you know, it's uh, it's starting to become a real tourist hub over there. A lot of Japanese it's, have been yeah. flocking over there. And it's the weird. It's one of the weirdest places I've ever been in Russia yeah, because agreed. the landscape looks a little bit like China and a little bit like San Francisco. So yeah. first off, that's just weird. Uh, and then uh, I don't know what exactly happened, but I guess it wasn't very built up during the Soviet period because everything seems new. So it doesn't. It doesn't have the Soviet look. It doesn't have that like a Russian imperial look. It all looks all very Putin era. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's kind of neat. And with the most interesting part, maybe for some of our uh, car enthusiasts there, all the cars are Japanese. Yes, it was yeah. a big importer of Japanese JDM cars, man. So Yeah, you but your, remember, uh... in, J in Japan, they drive on the other side of the street. I know, so, so it's funny. So you'll see the yeah. left-hand drive, uh, I'm sorry, the right-hand drive cars going on the left-hand side of the road. I know, that's uh, that, that's part of the fun. But I guess when everyone does it, it's not much of a problem, but it's nuts because uh, I guess Japanese cars, they say, are really good quality, the ones they make for the domestic market. They are, so, the JDM. Uh, cars man the ones that are built there i mean i've yeah. seen videos of vladivostok and i've seen like uh you know uh, r34 r32 gtrs running around and oh, yeah. you know toyota crowns and all, all the good stuff we couldn't get here in the states you see them running around oh, yeah. those rx7s oh. Like, oh my god oh my god the crown well, well the thing that i want is uh it's, well apparently some company bought the rights to it but it's making it more expensive is the um uaz pickup truck that they make in russia it's a mm -hmm. it's a thirteen thousand dollar king cab god wow. damn that's sexy Really? Four-wheel drive. I got to take a look at this. I got to take a yeah. look at this. Oh, here. Well, here. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Why don't I make your life easy? UAZ.ru. Right, okay. Here we go. Let's uh, let's get you the, the pickup there. Uh, Throw in the towel. Send, send you a link uh, right over there and into the uh, Telegram. Telegram. Or should I put it in the chat here? I don't know. Uh, yeah, I guess I could it. put it in the chat or whatever. But... Uh, yeah, so uh, real, real cheap, and apparently some Italian company bought the rights to sell that in America. I don't know how, how it's going to do because the price range looks to be in America twenty three, twenty four thousand dollars, and um, I, I don't know. So yeah, that's so this it. is the thing, right? It looks like a yeah, okay, yeah. So if someone could look at, I could look in Google right now. So let's see, a million rubles to dollars. So one, one, two, three, one, two, three rubles to how about to dollars not euros so wh why did that go so weird here we go so what is it yeah fourteen thousand dollars okay i was a little off but it's a fourteen thousand dollar uh four-wheel drive king cab baby uh so that's something in the future i'd kind of want to get one of those but of course black because all cars in moscow are black it is I'm part black. of the tradition uh, they must all be black so yeah <laughs> oh yeah yeah i got the, the cap the cap yeah. How big so is this? It's, thing? it's like a is, is this like a compact or something or of no, it looks like a compact. Well, it, the thing is is if you look uh you see at the top there's like that green square. That's to the the one that's second to the right of that that has like the first little triangle at the very top the navigation. Okay. See? So yeah, the right to the right or get to the right. Right. Yeah. No, left left uh, it says uh, the first little triangle here. Let me let me get it open for you. Hold on, right. hold on. Let me the net to the right one unit one. To, hold on, we'll get oh, this right, right, right. This uh, maybe maybe. Hold on, oh. I kind of look. Yeah, so that's basically all. Those are made on pretty much the same platform. Yeah. Uh, so they're basically, especially the ones in the middle, are just all the same. I like but, this thing. Know. It's like uh, this reminds me of an old Willie's Jeep over here. 
Yeah, yeah, Bronco. yeah. It looks like an old Bronco. Oh my god, look how no, simple they're cheaper. This is. But the the one thing I would say about those that is nice is for people like my uncle always says they don't make cars you can fix. That's a car you can fix. Uh, but that one is really, really the logic of like the 1960s, 70s. So if you look at the windows, look at the windows. Yeah. There's no cr- there's no electric window, there's no crank. That's just you just shove it. <laughs> You that's click a thing crazy. and you just sort of shove it open. <laughs> so you're, you know, that's that's real old school. That's maybe even that's a little bit cool. too old school for me. But uh, yeah, but you're talking, you know, your four wheel drive, high low. Um, you could customize those things. A lot of people customize them. So uh, yeah, so I think that that's the one thing where it's like, oh god, if I just could, if I had like the uh, business acumen and the um, uh, resources, because I looked into it uh, for my old job. They said yeah. they only wanted four thousand dollars to uh, to import that. Imagine selling that seventeen thousand dollars in America. Oh my God, for a four wheel drive. Oh, oh my God, yeah. Oh. I, I think I mean uh, India's been trying to do that with Mahindra. They've been trying oh. to bring them with their their little Mahindra Jeeps, which is like a carbon copy of the old World War II uh, Willys Jeep. You know, so yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, there's a mar- I mean, a cheap, effective four wheel drive. I mean, this thing would. It, it would definitely sell. And, and that's sell. where those uh, Uwaz uh, trucks come from, is actually yeah. from the uh, the Cold War. Uh, the, I guess this 1970s update to like the Soviet Army Jeep, that's one of those, basically. So it's sort of the same type of engine, the same sort of layout, only it's been, you know, updated to now there's the, the pickup truck version and the SUV version, but they all go back to... Uh, to that um, was the, for the uh, army, and also if you looked at the bottom of the screen, there was the one that looked like a van yes. that they call the bread loaf because it yes. looks like a bread loaf. Uh, that one was designed to be more like for um, uh, like an ambulance, like an, an ambulance sure. for rural areas, so it could go wherever it needs to to get someone to the hospital. So nice, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, Tim, there's a lot of neat stuff. Yeah. What else is on your radar, man? As we're coming down to the winding down to the end of the show. Oh, I feel unprepared. I thought there was <laughs> going to be a giant questions list, but uh, on my on my radar, uh, I can say one thing that because uh, of stupid COVID, it looks like fall American football is canceled. We're going to be having an off season until spring. Uh, not very happy about that. Oh man! Uh, not also happy watching the Browns go back to their losing traditions, which is also no fun. <laughs> uh, but for me, uh, everyone, um, I guess uh, I don't know if, uh, if you were able to send out my uh, links there. But yeah, I really yeah. Recommend everyone it, it, it should be posted right now. It's uh, okay. Great. Yeah, for everyone to check out uh, if you like uh, fun stuff and travel that's rttt uh the other stuff i do tim kirby rush is more this sort of uh ideas and all that and in fact uh, v may just be appearing on that channel within the next few weeks so yes. as soon as i upload some new material and uh the other one is uh, a podcast i do with a brilliant man named joaquin flores who maybe you should have on your program very interesting guy american guy in serbia uh who always has a lot of things to say uh oh, boy absolutely man love to have him on Love All right, I'll talk to him about that and uh, hopefully uh, get his butt moving. But uh, uh, for me, I'm trying to think of U.S.-Russian relations. I think for all that's now, uh, only things are getting a, a little bit scary. So, via, I guess maybe a, a real quick final thought um, would be that uh, I've been trying to sort of organize a program to create, like, American villages within Russia. Well, basically English-speaking villages in Russia where uh, – because it seems like the amount of people who want to immigrate here is very – it's growing. I was the weirdo when I came. Uh, now uh, uh, the trendsetter. And now we've got some early adopt adopters, uh, uh, yeah, early adopters. That's the term uh, coming, and uh, it's real scary. Uh, news from England that it looks like after Christmas in England, if you don't have a billion and million shots and booster shots, you're not going to be able to leave England. Um, you know the oh my god, you got to be kidding me. The travel situation between Russia and America is also getting worse, uh, guys. If you want to go somewhere. If you want to uh, try a new life, especially in Russia, unfortunately, it looks like you better do it today. Yeah. Uh, it is uh, the world is unfortunately, V, it really looks like we are getting a new uh, Cold War. The old Cold War was that the Soviets, and again, uh, when, when Russia's wrong, it's wrong. The Soviets and their stupid visas to leave. So in the Soviet Union, you had to get a visa, you know, to leave the Soviet Union, which was ridiculous. But it was really that Soviet policy of these exit visas that really created the barrier in the Cold War. People equate it to the stupid Berlin Wall, but the Berlin Wall, compared to the border between the East and West, it was just like 1% or one half of one. Who cares? That was not it. It was really this horrible uh, policies related to communism that keep people trapped in their own countries. 
Uh, but now, unfortunately, the bad guy isn't Russia anymore. No, nope, uh, it it's, it's, it's it's the West and this because I wrote even when this first started, there's an article on the Strategic Culture Foundation about vaccine passports written by me at the beginning of COVID because this is actually one thing I did call uh, that this is going to happen. And of course, it's looking like the Russian vaccine uh, is not going to count anymore. You have to get your Pfizer. You have to get your Western vaccine or exactly. no trouble for you. So exactly. we're going, we're unfortunately, uh, I guess uh, I probably should have made more jokes about me looking like an idiot on reality TV. That'd be more fun. But, <laughs> you know, uh, but to, to be honest, dude, uh, it's kind of, we're kind of at this moment, um, yeah. after having a few phone calls today, we are heading towards the possibility of, again, an iron, an invisible iron curtain, but this time related to COVID and this time created by the West. Again, uh, Russia was the bad guy in terms of that uh, during uh, the Cold War. Because I don't want to be like, Russia's always good. Because it's not. Right. There were some really bad things that happened in the Cold War. Uh, that, uh, this exit visa bullshit. I mean, uh, we're, the, we're uh, taking a page out of what's going to happen in the United States, what I predicted years ago. And I, 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 years ago, I didn't, I didn't foresee COVID. But I did say that as the country goes broke. Yeah. And and they're going after everybody's assets. Every every single law uh, that's that's being passed here is to is a wealth extraction scheme. Every single thing, even the infrastructure bill, is a wealth extraction scheme. Oh it, yeah, it, like, like that, dude, yeah. that green deal. Oh, I'm forget sure about you, it. Yeah, dude, I'm sure you more than maybe anyone could tell the world about how much of a scam that was. Huge or is if it's Huge. coming back. Exactly. And what they're yeah. gonna do? They're gonna do what, uh, what Adolf Hitler did in Nazi Germany. You want to leave the U.S.? Okay, fine. We'll take a, a 70% excise tax for you to exit or 70 or 80%. So you're going to leave here with, with pennies. You know what I'm That's saying? A, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. So, so, they're they're, wait, they're wait. proposing that in Congress, man. So Hitler had some sort of extreme tax on foreign travel? or do you Yeah, mean if just you're a leave? Jew, you wanted to get yeah. out, you, you, you paid a severe exit tax in Nazi wow. Germany. Yep. The same thing's going to happen in the U.S. You want to leave the... Good old US of A is going to be a severe exit tax. Well, one thing I can tell you about to other people, if anyone here is interested in going to Russia, there's sort of a re-entry tax. Because, V, uh, unlike most of the countries in the world where they uh, consider residents to be uh, six months of the calendar and one day, okay, mm -hmm. plus one day, that's where you live, according to Canada, Russia, I believe France, that's how they work it out. In America, it's 35 days, okay? Yep. So if I were to go to America... For 36 days, I'd roughly, I think it works out to have to pay $10,000 for the privilege because America would consider me a tax resident. So even before COVID, I could really only briefly visit America while living in Russia due to tax statuses. So that's another kind of uh, weird thing about American policy where it's sort of like, oh, you want to leave, you scumbag trader? Yeah. You're out forever. Yep. Because the second you come back and you spend the 36th day, get ready to get hit by the taxes. Yep. That's our loving government, Tim. They love yeah. us. Yeah. They care so. about it so much. Oh, yeah. And if yeah. you get the, you know, if you get the uh, Sinovax or you get the Sputnik, that doesn't count. You got to get Pfizer. Yeah, I can't gotta, watch a TV show Pfizer. these days without a Pfizer advertisement. Like every single news channel, NBC, CBS, Fox News, I think brought to you by Pfizer, who reminds you to just jab it. Yeah, just, just, but, but even before that, I mean, because you, you're an American too, and uh, although people always say I don't watch television, uh, everyone in America seen the ads, and because on occasion I stream American TV to watch like football from here, so I see the ads too. During our entire lifetimes, V, we have seen advertisements where you know, well, one year they have this new amazing mega drug, and then you always hear the quiet voice going, oh, this could cause a diarrhea, suicidal tendencies, the uh, <laughs> desire to kill someone. Sudden you know? death. And then, yeah, and then five years later, that there's an advertisement from some lawyer uh, to gather people in a class have action you been lawsuit. Injured? Against, yeah, against that medicine. And it's yeah. kind of like, well, everyone has so much faith in the FDA. Why does this keep happening? I could definitely see, you know, uh, there's no perfect system, and I could see some medicines maybe slipping through the FDA's cracks, even if they worked at maximum efficiency. But it's just an, a, an endless cycle of drugging the hell out of people and then kind of backpedaling after five years. So we, when we have this precedent, a precedent that you and I have seen via TV commercials from uh, uh, Big Pharma and from lawyers uh, our entire lives, 
they why are they surprised that we're skeptical about vaccination from the same companies? Yeah, exactly. you know what I mean. Exactly. I mean, you got Johnson so, Johnson. They they couldn't get baby powder right, but we're gonna trust them. <laughs> was there a baby powder scandal already? Yeah, oh yeah, they were they were putting carcinogens. They're like putting carcinogens in the in baby powder, man. They got sued big time, Johnson Johnson. And, oh, dude. Actually, I think oh, that's kind of like lawsuit is still going through, if I'm not mistaken. And Pfizer just got fined 2.9 billion dollars. <laughs> oh, but yeah, let's trust man. them. <laughs> well, that was kind of like um, I think you remember. I I don't want to mix restaurants. It was some fast food chain. I won't mention it because I forgot. But it wasn't the meat that gave people mass food poisoning. It was something like the onions. And so yeah, it's it was like, uh, how Chipotle. it was Chipotle how, years oh, ago. Yeah, yeah. How can you? How do you manage to keep the meat sanitary, but the it onions a, it, are just they trim it to a, Yeah, they trace it to a supplier. So it had oh, E. coli oh. over the onions. Yep, traced to a supplier. I see. Uh, very poopy factory there. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, again, dude, we're we're living in the kind of a, a very mad mad world here, and um, you know, people have even been asking me in Russia, like, well, how does Russians uh? Uh, their lack of desire to get vaccinated reflect on the people. It reflects on the people that they just don't have much faith in the government or the system or that much. And I think that's uh, in America too. It really divides people into sort of two camps: who's uh, has a sheep-like faithfulness and who's skeptical. Maybe some people are overly skeptical. I don't know, but uh, uh, there's just so much precedent uh, to not trust trust the government. We shouldn't be looking at the world like people did in the 1920s. You know what I mean? Because yeah. uh, like when communism started. If you think about it in Russia, if you think about it, you know, there were here more, you know, a lot of peasants, peasants who were sort of recently freed in the 1860s, who are still sure. basically peasants in a new structure. Yeah. And um, I can kind of see how they'd be like, wow, we're going to start create this new system and everyone's going to share stuff. Whoa, we're in the 21st century. We've already been through all this. We've seen massive government inefficiency and evil and uh, uh, the con conspiracies come to life and all this. Yeah. Uh, I think we're just, uh, as a human species, we're already too mature to fall for this stuff. And yet we do. Yep. And yet we do. Yeah. Tim Kirby, thank you so much for joining us again, folks. You can find all the links are in the description box. Uh, Tim's travel videos, as well as uh, Tim's channel about Russian geopolitics and history and growing uh, uh, ideology. You can find it there. Oh, and also you can find his articles over at strategicculture.org. Strategicculture.org. Tim, thank you so much for joining us, my friend. It's always a pleasure, and we look forward to doing oh, yeah. this again. Yeah, and if any people in the audience want to put together some questions for you, I'm always happy to come back. This is great. It's such a it's so wonderful to be able to really have a nice free form kind of discussion and really actually answer questions in a nice open format. Thank you very much. It's always a pleasure, Tim. Thank you.